I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Let's do it. You're listening to BSH Radio. Is this true? Live from the WIP studios in Philadelphia. The hockey team, the Flyers. And right here on BroadStreetHockey.com. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right. BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. And I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We are starting the top 25 under 25 tonight. It's uh, it's it's going to be appearing on BroadStreetHockey.com soon. SB Nation did like a full NHL top 25 under 25. We're doing the Flyers. We're starting it tonight. I believe we're going to uh, introduce our like top five, like bottom five guys. I think everyone is doing. We so, have some stuff. We might as well do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. We, we don't want to spoil it too yeah, we much. Gotta, we got to leave we gotta, it out there. Yeah, we got to keep a people. Lot of other people. String them along. No, it's too much of a spoiler. Let's just give general answers of how we. we Charlie we hates fun. Let I me, want. I want to get people to read it on the website. Okay. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the panel for the evening. With me, as always, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So the people that I left off my <laughs> top twenty-five under twenty-five list were intentional, but the one that I want to start and open with is Matthew Strom, because if you cannot skate, especially with the competition <clears throat> for the twenty-five under twenty-five being as as high as it was this year if you cannot skate i cannot put you on the top 25 under 25 i think that's fair seems fair yeah i can understand why people are high on him but i i didn't have him on my top 25 either i understand like if you can't skate and you still score at the pace that he does then you're probably a pretty good hockey player Mm, but you can't skate, so you're not making that list. Might need to, might need to work on important. that. Kind of important, I hear, for the ice sport. He yeah. outscored Ratcliffe and Frost last year. Outproduced and, both of them. And he can barely stay upright. Uh, it's, it's not like he's never skated before. No, it's it's actually astounding that he's grown up in a hockey family. Everybody has grown up on skates, and still he looks like a newborn fawn. I, he just I, needs I, to no, get lower and... That's it. And, and, well, lower in his, like, ass area yeah. and not lean forward. I, I, I'm, I'm demonstrating. <laughs> lean forward like he's about to fall at all times. It's bad. It's, 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 it's bad, folks. It's not a good technical stride whatsoever. It's, it's bad. It's kind of a mess in all in all facets. It's, it's yeah. a disaster. But it doesn't mean it can't be fixed. It just means that he's probably not worthy of being in the top 25. That's all I'm saying. Right now. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and they were able, the skating coaches were able to fix... Um, Lindblom, who was, it was rough for him too. So I'm sure that they'll be able to turn this around. Not quite as rough as Stroh. Well. But. <laughs> not quite as bad. But um, I have confidence that it's something that will be able to be fixed. Out of all of the technical <clears throat> technical skills to lack in, that's probably the one that I have the most confidence that they'll be able to turn yeah, around. Yeah, it's the easiest one to fix. Yeah. The fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. It's me. And so I... Um, actually learned about 10 minutes ago that I left Isaac Ratcliffe off my 25 under 25, and I don't think I did that on purpose. 
but it happened. I don't well, think I don't think he's like I mean he was on my list, but I don't think he's necessarily a lock. No, but I think I I think reevaluating I would have had him 24 25 over Friedman maybe. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, like- there's a lot of recency bias. Like we're all excited about Isaac Ratcliffe, and he was, he's you know, a large he's gentleman. a first round talent who went in the second round because yeah. he's a project. So, so people are excited about him. But it's not crazy to leave him off the list yeah. with true. the depth of you know what's going on here. Plus, guys like Gostas Bear and Provorov and Couturier are all on the list. It's so true. it's not like it's yeah. just prospects. It's guys who are here and have roles in the NHL. And my also my uh, other notable absences were. Matthew Strom, Connor Bunneman, and Noah Cates, who made some lists but did not make mine. They, the latter two made mine. Like, really high up. Fans. That's fair. Like Noah Cates, I had at 21. Um, yeah, 21. I had to write a note to Kurt, like, no, this isn't a mistake. Like, I actually, <laughs> I did mean to put him that high. No, he's got a lot of ton. Of, he's got a ton of skill. And Kelly, I, looking back at my list, I actually have Freeman over Radcliffe. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have that Freeman. Makes me I think feel super smart. Actually. Freeman, I think I one that... spot ahead of Radcliffe, but oh. he's ahead of him. All right. That's the man with the observations, Charlie O'Connor. So, I think everyone that so Connor Bunneman was in my bottom four. Strom was in my bottom four. Uh, Nick Albe Kubel was in my bottom four. I did not have him on mine. Uh, so he was not in my uh, not on my list. But the one guy who will probably get a lot of uh, you know people up in arms because I know he has a lot of fans, especially on this podcast, is one Taylor Lear who that I left off my spicy. list. That is spicy. Again, oh, actually, I think this is the first time I've actually left th- him off my list entirely. But he's always much lower than the consensus. I feel me. like that was spite. No, I, I feel like that was spite. You know what the funny thing is? He was on my list until. I remembered that I hadn't put Vecchioni on the list, and I think Vecchioni's higher <laughs> Vecchioni on the depth chart. ruins everything. Like, so, everything! He got yes. dropped off. And it's not necessarily because like I definitely think Vecchioni's better than Lear or whatever. It's just because I think Vecchioni will be given an NHL shot faster than Lear, and I'm not convinced that Lear is ever going to get an NHL shot in this organization. Vecchioni is, is being heralded and, and promoted with all the prospects. Like he's in all he's an elderly of, all, gentleman. All he's of 24. the prospects yeah. videos, but everything that's about the prospects and everyone wants to hear about the babies. Vecchioni is in all of those. So yeah. I think just due to promotion, I think he's with the Phantoms. He was the most highly sought after college free agent this year. What that means varies year to year. I mean, but it was they Caligula got that guy this last year. year. But do we really hear from Caligula much this year? He had a he, decent season. He played. He wasn't that great, but he was passable. I think he played like sixty games. So I like that we're still calling him Caligula. I mean, what else? I don't actually. Call? I don't actually know what his name is. Caligula. Drake Caligula. Whatever. <laughs> but Caligula is better. Caligula is better. <laughs> My bottom five. I, uh, I I have Friedman at twenty five, which I had Friedman at. 25. I believe. He probably has potential to be higher, but six of my top 12 are defensemen, and it's just, like, <laughs> he's only going to get, like, there's only That's so fair. many opportunities for him. Yeah. He probably is the NHL potential higher than the 25th guy on this list. Uh, my other one, uh, I have Carson Torensky at 22, and I'm almost positive <laughs> I meant that to be Connor Bunneman. <laughs> and... I mean, they were they were drafted around the same place. I just made. Uh, I think I, I don't oh, know. They boy. just have interesting names. Uh, they're nowhere they're, near each other. Name. I'm not they don't saying even, they're they similar. They don't look alike. Like there's. Nothing. I'm not saying they're similar names that they look alike or anything. All right, that's okay. just that they're interesting, and I confused them for some that's reason. That's okay. So that happened. All right. And I have Maxime Susko 
Yeah. From uh, from Belarus at 21, and honestly, it's because he's from Belarus. Just of it's Belarus. It is. Yeah. The, a Belarusian was making my list. It Fair. was him because I hate goaltenders. We all have biases. That's okay. Awesome. I but yeah. putting this list together was hard. Oh, it was, was so hard. Like, and it's not like a top ten. Mm-mm. It was 25 guys, and it's like, oh man, did I really live off, like leave off NAK? Yeah, I did. He wasn't that good last year. No, he was not. No. And I fully believe he had like a transition year and he could have a nice season with the Phantoms this year in a larger role with some guys getting promoted. But, eh, you know, it's 25 and they've got like 50 prospects. I mean, he had, a, he had a really, like, not even, for example, like, like a guy you can compare him to sort of as Nick Cousins. Nick Cousins was taken high. He was taken relatively high, came up uh, in for his first Phantoms year and was basically told focus on defense and didn't put up many points. Mm-hmm. Then his second year, he scored much better because they gave him a bigger offensive role. But I think he still finished with like 30 points that year. Obey Kabil finished with like 10. So Yeah, Nick, it was really so, bad. So even for a year where he's told to focus on defense, he still didn't produce that much. So it's fair to be skeptical, I think, after this season with him. Yeah, I um I had him off my list. I also left. Let's see. I had else? him on, man. I was like one of the few people I think that had him. On. Um, I had I I also left off Vorobiov and Fazlayev. Faz Fazlev. Faz- Fazlev, I believe. I don't. I'm Charles. Terrible with names. I'm looking at Charlie to help me out. Um, uh, Fazlayev, I believe. Really? Okay. I want to say Fazlev, so I know that's wrong. It's God probably it. Fazlayev. Is that what I said? I don't even remember. What's going on in Russia? I don't know, but I left I left them off even though I really like Vorobiov. Um I don't know I don't know who I would have substituted him for though looking at my list. Um and I'm, I'm I I have no I don't I just don't know unless out of spite I wanted to leave Scott Lawton off, which <laughs> I that did. Could a, I couldn't see that happening. So the way that my my thought process worked, we had um well, let's just let everybody know. So our our top twenty five under twenty five the the list came out today on Broad Street Hockey. The people who did not make the top twenty five, so the honorable mentions, and then there will be an article a day through all of August. That's what we're going to aim for. That's what we're aiming for. Um, so it starts tomorrow with number twenty five. Correct. Um, and then you'll get an article a day um, ish. So we're not going to give you the full list tonight. No. We know the results, but we're not going to give the full list. We all had a vote, and we also did a fan vote, which got over a thousand responses, which is a ton. Who the hell had to count that? That, Kurt. 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 Good good work, Kurt. Who also sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We only had, for the mid-25 under 25, we had under 300 responses. So we jumped from, I think it was 290 to 1,034. Well, you know why. Because Broad Street Hockey Radio, Radio. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, so the way we had we had a couple weeks to do this, and the way that I went about my rankings was I I wanted to see I, I ranked them with who I thought was the most valuable to the organization and who will be the most valuable to the organization. So it's a little bit not based on past numbers, but kind of based on projection. I, I really weighed heavily on NHL experience. But while I was doing that, I was really upset that none of the, the baby prospects that we had just drafted were going to make this list because I was weighing heavily on NHL experience. So I had to do a whole complete separate list of my top 25 under 25 most excited because 
the babies just weren't making it. And I on purpose left off Scott Lawton on that list. I think I left off both um, Anthony Stolarz and Alex Lyon. That was like, my, I just think I left them both off. That was going to be my, my next question for everybody is just in terms of composition of your personal lists. All four goalies make it? The four yeah. top guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Hart, so. Sandstrom, Stolarz, and Lyon? They did. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. on, my, on my final no, list. No, Charlie. Charlie says no. Who'd you leave off? I left one of them off. I know which one. I think you, you guys off. can guess who I left I know off because I'm not off. that high on him. Alex Lyon. Yeah, mm, that's fair. I had him. He was number 17 for me. He was the lowest of the goalies, but I had all of them on because I think that they they have pro experience, which is valuable to the organization. That some of it is just uh, yeah, like. Guys like Taylor Lear and Scott Lawton and Alex Lyon made my list just because there is kind of a line. And so while they might not have the highest upside, I guess I looked at they're going to get called up at some point. Like that's just what, like Scott Lawton, his his ceiling is maybe third liner, but he's played 100 games in the NHL. So he's he's higher than some other guys with much higher upside. Yeah, I don't do it that way. <laughs> I had a, I had a, I had a shit like my top ten was based on other things, and then I had a shifting scale based on whatever I wanted to do. Really, yeah, that's the thing. It's and like, then I made it up at the end. It's hard every year that I've <laughs> I done didn't this. Just make it up, and I've been doing this for a while now. It's kind of hard for me to explain how I come about doing it because I'm not basing. I don't value NHL when I'm doing this list for this particular list NHL experience does not make a big deal to me the way that I can explain it I think the easiest is that when I take a look at these guys I try to think of who in five years is going to be the impact player in this organization or maybe in the NHL maybe not here but like for example I have Philippe Myers above Scott Lawton Philippe Myers has not played a single game in the NHL and I don't care, but because I think that if I look back on this list in five years, I think Philippe Myers is going to be a more valuable hockey player than Scott Lawton's. And so it's it's kind of like a weird, like amorphous list of criteria that I use for this thing that doesn't make any sense to anyone but me. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just like, who do I think will be an impact player in this league in the next few years, I have Rubstov kind of above Scott Lawton. So do I. Who's yeah? Who like just came to North America? Yeah. So do I. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it. I think what it comes down to is you have to you have to weigh both. It can't. I don't think it can just be. And I guess you know with these lists, it kind of matters with whatever the heck we really want it to matter. Because right. The, the, yeah. The the guidelines are pretty nebulous, but I don't think you can ignore the importance of a player showing that he's successful at a higher level. So, for example. Like a Taylor Lear, even though I'm not especially high on him, like I think it's 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 important to acknowledge that he's shown that he is good enough to be a good player in the AHL in comparison to a guy who was maybe taken in the fourth or fifth round who, yeah, like Strom has been good in juniors. That's great. But he has to take a whole nother step to show that he's anywhere near the caliber of asset that Taylor Lear is because Taylor Lear has already jumped that hurdle and shown he can get over it. So and- there, there is absolutely value in knowing that a player can do it because the, the whole thing about prospects is all about certainty versus uncertainty. And yeah, the further a guy gets up, the more certain you are that like, okay, I'm certain Taylor Lear is not going to be a first line, first line player. But you're also like relatively certain he's probably at least a fourth line NHLer. Whereas a guy like Matt Strom, like, yeah, there's a possibility that maybe a higher chance that he's a first liner versus, you know, versus Taylor Lear. 
but there's also a higher percent that he just washes out before he even gets to the, the mm-hmm. AHL. And when Taylor Lear's already jumped that hurdle, so you already know he's passed it. So that's sort of the way you got to weigh these things. That's what makes it fun, I think. And that's why, like, a guy like NAK, who maybe a year ago people were high on, then you see him at the next level and go, oh, exactly. all right, yep, he failed. Uh, it's his first year, and maybe he turns it around, but for right now, he failed at his next at his attempt to reach the next level. Yeah, he had a rough season. He did. It wasn't yeah. great. I, I think on my side, the way I break it down, and I've always sort of done this, is just by tiers. So, like, my top tier are basically the, the, a, the a prospects or a NHL players, the guys who either we know are legitimate positive contributors to the NHL level, level or prospects who we think could potentially be top-end contributors. Because, I, I like, for example, like I could put, like, Nolan Patrick above a guy who's already been in the NHL and been good, like a Travis Konechny, because I think Nolan Patrick's ceiling is high enough. Is is his ceiling is so high that it, it outweighs the fact that Travis Konechny has already shown that he is an NHL player? Yeah. Mm. Because I don't think Travis Konechny has first line center or first maybe yes first line winger potential, but like Nolan Patrick has the potential to be a franchise cornerstone, so that pushes him above a Travis Konechny for me. So that's like the top tier. Those A guys. Then my next tier, which is kind of the most like nebulous, is when you get into either like B plus prospects who are sort of far away, and then lumped into that tier are B prospects who I'm fairly confident have a decent chance of being NHL contributors. Maybe not NHL impact players, but like NHL contributors. So like this would be like where like a Moran or a Hag would come in. Then I've got like my B prospects, and then after that I've got my like B minus C plus prospects. The guys who either they're so far away they have upside, but who the hell knows who they're going to be, or guys that maybe are closer but are bottom six or you know low end second pair, high end third pair type guys. Max and Taylor Lear still didn't make, still didn't make it. He was on there briefly. <laughs> he almost made. It. I end up. I, I find that I end up grouping them by position, which I think is a little dangerous. So I had kind of all of the goalies are kind of in the same area and they're close to the defensemen who are all in the same area except for Provorov and Ghost who I have above in, in the top five mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that that's a little weird because I'll put a Travis Sanheim down there and be like oh well how do I rank him with Myers, Moran, Haig and, and Friedman and then I've got to figure that out and then they end up coming out in bunches and then I've got to figure out you know, I mean, it's hard how, not who, to who compare I would, who I would want to exactly yeah. who would I want to yeah. put in between there, and it's a whole thing. Especially guys like Sanheim and, and Myers, especially like yep. there's some guys they're that just, so similar. There's some guys just they kind of come together. Like obviously, Hague and Moran should kind of be close to each other because they're in like almost the same spot in their development. Neither of them are probably first pair defenseman talents, but they're both, you know, you're both, but both of them, you're hoping they're second pair guys. And you're yeah. thinking, okay, well, if it doesn't work out, maybe they're third pair guys. And if they completely flame out, then they're AHL, they're AHL guys. So they're obviously going to be near each other. Same thing with Sanheim and, and Myers. Like they're both guys who we're hoping could be first pair guys, but they haven't been there yet. We don't know because they're not in the NHL yet. They're you know, Sanheim's a year older, but they're they're in the same realm. So those guys should sort of, I feel, be close to each other. Just like how like Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom should probably be pretty close to each other. I actually I have them really close together, actually. Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom. Um <clears throat> Sanheim and Myers I have really far apart only because I I know that everybody is really, really high on Myers. Um and I am reservedly high on him only because I haven't seen him against pro level competition. Sanheim, 
Haig, Moran, they've all been pro for at least a year. Myers has been playing against children and he's six foot five. I need to Fair. see I need to see him against against adults. Uh, and I know I I know that juniors is not all 14 year old boys, but I feel like juniors is all 14 year old <laughs> boys. Um, so I just need to see him at the pro level. I do think that he's going to be something special, but I I couldn't. I had him at 12. For what it's worth, and this, again, quality competition, but he did look very good in preseason last year with the Flyers, and he lasted much longer than people thought. So that was brief competition against pros. Yeah. Granted, it wasn't pros that were trying, but right. still something he to did. He looked for a player straight from straight from you know major juniors, and not a guy with AHL An or any kind of experience. Guy. Yeah, he didn't look as unpolished as I expected him to. He was. Uh, I, I looked out there. It's like he's not out of place. He might not be mm. an NHL player yet, but he doesn't look like he doesn't belong out there. I guess is what I remember thinking about Myers in the preseason last year. Yeah, I mean everyone's high on the guy, and you know that right-handed shot kind of bumps him up a little. Like I even, have him at six. Yeah, I, so. Kelly, Kelly, you're really high on him. I yeah, know you I know. I like Travis Sanheim at six. Well, one one interesting tidbit about Myers, and this this was something when he said it, it at development camp it kind of took everyone back was, wow that, that really puts it in perspective just how impressive he was in preseason apparently last offseason this is something no one really knew in the media he had the same surgery that ghosted last yes, offseason yeah, he had and, he like, really? and he like just got cleared to play to skate right as soon as preseason started and he still looked that good and we've been mm. talking about for the past three months of you know past six months about how you know ghost wasn't his, his normal self because of the surgery granted Myers is a little bit younger but if he looked that good coming off a of surgery, considering the drop off that Ghost had last year, that could have possibly been partially contributed to by the surgery. Like shit, I wonder how he's going to look when he's 100. percent Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's what, and it gets back to this list. It is a fun. It is just kind of a fun thing to do in the off season. Like guys, it's it's you know tomorrow's August first. <laughs> it's not like we're, we, we've got a little while. It's not like there's a ton of stuff going on. But when you look at a list like this and you lay it all out, you go. Oh, things are going to be, like, it is cool yeah. to have this kind of pipeline and to see the guys who have made it, who are at the top of, uh, of at least my list, if if it continues to go this way, it's gonna be this good, could be though. really, really cool, and uh, thanks, Ron. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, okay, okay. I was just going to say that one of my favorite things about this is that each of us had a different way that we're ranking these players, yeah. but each one of those ways makes sense, and everyone's ranking them different. And it's it's just kind of fun. It's a fun exercise in the offseason to see what people value in prospects yeah. in the players on the team and kind of see where they fall ranking wise. It's it's just a lot of fun. I like it a lot. I think the readers like it. I think so. I think uh, so. Clearly, yeah. yeah. People love lists. We could people do, love a ranking. We could do rankings of everything every week and we do our best we there's do a, our best rated shows. There's a reason why accepted. Yeah. I mean like down grows brown. I feel like like ninety percent of his content is just ranking things, and they're all awesome, and people love them. And there's like a reason why. I've He's worked, my favorite. I love I've him. worked for Big Daddy Graham for ten years. All he does is lists, people and it's genius. It's genius. He has a list for everything. People and love to argue people, with a list. Yeah. People like to agree with a list. It's like you you can't go wrong. Yeah, I just go on there and say Ghostbusters, my number one rated movie of all time, and that's an hour. That's an hour <laughs> segment right there. But to, to circle back on one thing go you ahead, said, Bill, um, about Hextall and about the the pipeline that's been built. As much as I go on here and I kind of make myself some of the villain because I'm sort of anti Taylor Lear, like. 
four years ago, Taylor Lear would have been 12 or 13 on my list. Yeah. Like, it, would, it wouldn't even been a question that he makes the list because, hey, maybe this guy could be, you know, another Matt Reed. Maybe he's a good bottom sixer that's more of a middle sixer. When he gets his shot, he's going to play next year. Like, now... I can make a legitimate case why he shouldn't be on the list because putting him on the list pushes off, you know, a Pascal LaBerge yeah, or an Isaac Ratcliffe it's or a Mark not, Friedman. It's mm. not crazy to not include him. Like, he's on my list because he does have NHL experience and yeah, I expect him to play in the league at some point. Again, probably in like... I think the closest comparable to him is Harry Z, but Harry Z was just playing in the you know Stanley Cup final. So still can't believe that's a thing. Yeah, I still can't believe that's a thing. He did. So Peter Laviolette just loves. He's him been for some in the reason. league, and he I I see Lear, and I'm like, I bet coaches just love this guy. And like well, he just clearly Cote did. Yeah, yeah Cote. Was, yeah, Cote was all about him, and yeah. but that's what I see. And as long as the league is the way it is, we we want things to go a certain way, and. He does have enough skill, I think, to yeah. fill out that fourth-line skilled that, guy role. AHL All-Star MVP, guys. <laughs> he looked good in that game. I'll tell you, that three-on-three <laughs> tourney, he was looking good. Taylor uh, Lear is a very nice man. <laughs> Do we know that for Analysis. a fact? Yeah. Have we met him? Yeah. Oh, oh. I did. Oh, yeah, you've met him at, I the, met him at the carnival. At the carnival. Okay. He, all, signed, he signed a teddy bear for my friend Carly's son. It was nice. nice. Imagine if someone was, was a dick nice. at the carnival. That'd be so that funny. I, know, right? I would love to meet <laughs> that guy. No. No. I wasn't there. I don't know. Oh, that makes me sad. I love Steve Mason, but there was there was a whole thing. Oh boy. I mean, not really. He was just (laughs) grumpy, grumpy, Grumpy. and 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 not looking or speaking to anybody as he was walking in the hallway. Like it was very. I'm I'm a foot and a half taller than you, and I don't see you. Oh. Yeah. Was he wearing a sign that said "I'm elite"? (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't like that joke. I don't like that I'm wearing joke. this shirt for all the Steve Mason haters out there. <laughs> I hate even recognize you were in a leech. That was the first the comment we shirt. had on Facebook Christ. was about your shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> Kelly just walked up to the building today. She just goes, are you wearing a Sean Couturier shirt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, nah, it's just for Steph. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Anything for you. I'm currently buying you three fidget spinners. I don't oh even know what God. these things are, but I'm doing I it. I don't get them. I have a friend who has one, and he's always playing with it, but I don't get what he's you doing. You should be not friends with him anymore. Anything no. anything that he gets the, a bad the pen away from me. I think good. better with the pen, like Charlie said. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you just need a, a quieter pen. I'm buying you a fidget spinner, and we'll see just, how that goes. I always, I always wanted to spin it like a like a drumstick, but mm-hmm. I failed band. <laughs> <laughs> I took band as an elective and I failed. All right. In All any right. case, please read the uh, the top twenty five tw- yes. twenty five articles we'll be posting over the next probably like three to four weeks. Be sure yep. a pretty long. The next twenty five business days. Hop into the comments. <laughs> and post some on weekends. We too, to be I think we do oh, Saturdays, really? not Sundays. Not Sundays. Yeah, okay. Saturdays we'll do Sundays. we'll do Scott Lawton on like a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> slip him in. Yeah. Just throw it in there. Just under the wire. So, uh, who was? Uh, like, what was your biggest takeaway from all this? A guy that you really didn't expect to leave off that you did. Wrap up the top twenty-five discussion. Um, for for me, it was Lear and Bunneman. Okay, because I, I am you I, I am high Bunneman. on I am high on because I know Bunneman. you like him a lot. I do like him a lot. I just he I just couldn't find a place for him. I think like the place like, was Rat- at twenty-four. Ratcliffe probably took his spot. There's it's also the fact that I'm decently high on um the two Swedish defensemen they have, uh, Hogberg and Bernhardt. Oh yeah, because they're both playing in the Swedish uh, the SHL already at very young ages, and that. Has me like, hey, you know what? You're playing in the, in, a, in a major league at sub twenty years of age. There might be something there, and that pushes them up a little bit. 
So that they were probably the two guys okay. that knocked Bonham out for me. My my biggest takeaway was I can't believe that Terrence Omarosa and Tyrell Goldborn are still part of the twenty five. <laughs> Is Goldborn still here? He's still yeah. here. And I think Om- Omarosa was at rookie camp this year. If I think he was. Like, I believe I, I remember seeing him there, yes. And I think I made a comment to you about that. Um I, I just I can't believe how quickly the older prospects were knocked off this list like Cole Bardreau, like Abe Kubel, like Fezleyev. I, I, I was astounded because like this is the best problem to have is yeah, that there's I'm, a lot of young guys. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the last time I did one of these rankings, I had Tyrell Goldborn on my list because... We were told nobody made else. It in. We yeah. were told he has NHL legs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's gotten good real fast, yeah. which is super fun. And that's the other thing Also, about- apparently Bill hates Travis Konechny. Oh, what do yes. you mean I hate Travis oh, Konechny? that'll be an interesting conversation when we get there. That'll be a fun one there. when yeah. we get to that one. Yeah. yeah. Let's oh, not spoil yeah, it for let's the not. people. No. Let's not. It's we'll get to good. that. <laughs> I, I don't. I think I have him racked well. Sure. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> well, to, see, to me, to me, the takeaway with Bill. This was my big takeaway with Bill. This will be another fun conversation to have. As much as he says how much he hates goalies, man, you rank them all high. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> that comes down to the the pro experience part. Uh, Carter Hart. Well, those two, because they are supposed to be the goalies of the future, and I'm weighing in potential there. I mean, Carter Hart has dominated in the WHL for two years. I'm just saying, for someone that hates goalies, you're not looking the and part. Felix Sandstrom, really, his athleticism's a lot of fun. Oh, my, oh, this is my biggest takeaway. So I notciously hate Mike Vecchioni, <laughs> and I had him ranked higher than anybody else. Right? I don't, know how that I don't know like, how that happened. Because he had the, the couple games of pro experience, I guess. I uh, yes. Higher than anyone, except for Travis, who had him ranked exactly where I did. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Ben. All right. Are we ready to move on to Matt Reed? Yeah, Let's I think. Meat. Yeah. Meat. Speaking of fit, uh, who was it? It was, uh, it was Meltzer. It was Bill, yeah. yeah Bill it was yeah. Bill Meltzer had a column about where exactly Matt Reed may fit into this lineup this season because he's been a mainstay and he plays a role. Again, no one believes he's the player uh, we thought him to be a couple years ago, but he's a good penalty killer. He's good in a bottom six role, but they have a ton of guys making way less than him who kind of fit that profile. And it was just about where he fits. Charlie has some interesting stats uh, that we've kind of talked about before, how his underlying numbers are still pretty good, even though the offense has all but disappeared. Uh, I believe he still kind of fits a maybe third, probably fourth line role on this team, uh, depending on how they use those lines. But just how does everyone see him fitting into the lineup this year? Is he? Is, do you think he's an every night player? Is he one of those guys who's going to be rotated in and out? What do you see? I mean, to me, he's one of the twelve best forwards on the team. I agree, but I can understand like. The fact that Bill wrote this column has like raises my eyebrows because you know not only is Bill a really good dude, he's plugged in, yeah. and if he's writing a column of "Hey, I wonder if there's a chance Matt Reed won't make this team," there's probably a chance Matt Reed won't make this team. Like he doesn't just he doesn't just throw shit out there and hope it sticks. When like, he he's probably up- hearing this from somewhere in the grapevine that hey, maybe Matt Reed might not have a spot unless he has a good camp. That's because I was like, all right, maybe he might be scratched some nights, but I assume he's usually in the lineup. And then I see it's a possibility they wave him and he plays the last year of his deal with the Phantoms. I was like, mm, that's crazy. I I don't see it, 
don't but if it's a think... possi- if if he's proposing it as a possibility, I, mean, I think it's more possible than the four of us believe at this very moment. I would agree with that. Well, you know, then fine. Let's run with that. If that's actually a possibility for Matt Reed, then let's look it at better. doing it to Andrew McDonald again. That was my yes. yes. yeah. point. That because was... if, if if Matt Reed is the problem and you're going to wave him and send him down to the Phantoms, like let's actually look at the defense. That was my next point is, oh, if it's a possibility with Reed, that means it's a possibility with anyone. Yeah, which would actually be very good because if you if you think that Matt Reed isn't going to make this team because someone's going to outplay him in camp, then that's probably good. That's probably really good yeah. because yeah. everyone else is going to outperform Andrew McDonald in yeah, camp, including me in the stands. Yeah, it's not like we're going to see Matt Reed sitting for Chris Vandevelde or for Pierre Edward Belmar. Right. It's going to if he's not playing, it's going to be because someone better is playing, which is excellent. They're gone. I know it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think what may save Matt Reed and what I believe will keep him in the lineup on a regular basis is that they got rid of a lot of penalty killers. You know, they lost Belmar, they lost Vandevelde. Reed's one of the few guys who has experience not just on the penalty kill, but experience on the penalty kill playing against top units. Yeah. And to me, it just seems the most likely that he's going to be the guy they move up to play with Couturier again because that duo has experience together on the penalty kill and. I'm as good as Wayne Simmons was on the penalty kill last year. I don't know if they want to give him top power play, top power play minutes, second line five on five minutes, and top penalty kill minutes. That's a lot of minutes for Wayne Simmons. Get your money's worth. He's only got two years left on that deal. (laughs) (laughs) Get the money's worth. I'm wearing down now. I I think that this is this is one of the big concerns that I have with college free agents is that they age and they decline so much quicker than you expect them to because they don't get here until they're 24. Yeah. So Matt Reed, while it seems like he's only been here for a short period of time, and it really only has been, what, five years? Yeah, I think so. Five, six years? He came in the year uh, the year after they traded, with a year like of the Richards Carter He's 2011, 2012. Year. Okay, yeah. so like five, six years. Um, He's 31, and and this is what's to be expected. I think that Matt Reed is a very smart hockey player. I think that he's made a transition that not a lot of players could, where they went from the scoring winger to the more defensive, puck possession type of player. Um, And I think that he's a veteran presence when they're going to need it, when there's going to be a lot of kids on the team. I don't know whether that's enough to keep him here. I, I still think that he's better than... Vecchioni. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I would rather have Matt Reed on this team. Yeah, I, I would rather have yeah. Matt Reed on the team than Scott Lawton. Yeah, yeah. So would I. That's uh, that. The thing you make a good point about the college free agents and how like anyone when they come into the league, they're just you know balls to the wall. And then it's like, can he bring that kind of effort every night? Can he bring that kind of effort after you give him that second contract? I would never give those guys second contracts. Definitely not extensions. I would make them if if it doesn't work yet. Throw him away and go get the next Vecchioni or the next Reed. And if it does, you give him a nice, modest second deal. And if he doesn't want that, you let him go get paid elsewhere. Giving Matt Reed $3.65 million is freaking insane. How did they get him and Wayne Simmons for basically the same price? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the Wayne Simmons deal was... Okay, there, there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, Wayne Simmons, when he signed it, and he signed it just after his, his, his very first, first year with yeah. the Flyers, year, and he still had some RFA years left, so that that held the price down a bit. Plus, like 
I think we do kind of forget that Matt Reed was very good. Matt Reed he was, was a 20 goal really scorer. I, he basically scored at a 20 goal pace, I believe, his first three years. And this is a guy, again, who was sort of used in a shutdown type role he, in five on five, still scored a fair amount, was a top penalty kill. Like, he was viewed as a fairly valuable guy. Three he point, was in the Calder conversation. I was going to say, year. didn't he get yeah. votes? I believe he did. The big That's thing, actually what I was Googling right now. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, the big thing with. And, and Steph mentioned, it, and it makes perfect sense, is the idea of how these guys age because they start their career so late. And it's not, I don't think it has much to do with you know them getting worn down or they were trying extra hard at the beginning of their career. It's just the aging curve. They're still 31 yeah. years old. Like Matt Reed, no matter where he played his minutes, he played those minutes and now he's 31. Yeah, like it's just the aging curve. These guys, the, the, the aging curve that has been agreed upon by the stack community is that guys tend to start declining around like 27, 28, 29. And if you start your career, your NHL career at age 25, it means you're only getting two or three prime years out of these guys before they're on the down. You hear that, Ron? Bring them up. Bring them all up. Let's get our money's worth. Who, the, the, you, the babies? All of them. Well, I mean, all I, the babies. I, we're not bringing up, you know, we're not bringing up Phil Carter Myers Hart! at age 25. Hey, 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 hey. We're bringing up Phil Myers this year. It's happening. Carter Hart. Yeah, why not? This is opening night starter. Yeah, Carter Hart. I don't that th- Wednesday night rivalry against yeah. San Jose. <laughs> but to, to just go back real quick to Matt Reed, and you okay. mentioned the, yeah. the advanced metrics. So he's actually, over the last two years, he has the third best Corsi on the team or behind uh, Couturier and Raffle, who are both you know very well known yeah. as very strong two-way defensive puck possession type guys. Can you just repeat that one more time for the people who don't appreciate Michael Raffle? Michael Raffle is a very underrated forward who last year had some trouble scoring, but for the most part has been very good as a flyer. Thank is you. this true? Nice utility player. Uh, so yeah, he was at 53.9% Corsi, 4 percentage, and uh, his teammates, when they played alongside him, performed 3.9 percentage points better from a Corsi standpoint versus when they played away from him. So he's a good, useful player, and he's the type of guy who I'd love to see on a fourth line. Truthfully, like if they use Matt Reed the way they used Chris Vandeveldi last year, I'm thrilled. They'll be oh, a better be team. Oh my God. That makes them a better team immediately. Sorry. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. What I'm doing. Kelly just tossed her microphone away. I'm done with this. Flung herself away from the table. She is not going to talk about Matt Reed no anymore. All right. I uh, like Matt Reed. Ar- <laughs> article about my guy. Michael Neuvert showed up on Sons of Pen today. Oh, your boy. Your, your guy? He was, You're claiming him as yours? He was my guy uh, in the playoffs against the Capitals. Yeah, I claimed him as my Future guy. Future Las Vegas when I was, night, when I when I was a When I was a Steve Mason hater uh, for that one year. <laughs> uh, okay. It is, it's, uh, I, people I feel like are kind of underrating Brian Elliott when they talk about how. Pardon. What? His full name. Bad-ass motherfucker. <laughs> I think they're underrating his ability to like play a ton of games when I read. like I read in the Hockey News this week something that said incumbent Michael Neufert. And I'm no. like, he hasn't started more than 29 games for the Flyers. It's not like, his job He's yet. not a quote-unquote incumbent. He's no. a guy who's going to play some games here. but <laughs> Some. Like, uh, but we're we're all kind of counting on, on Neuvert to have a bounce-back year because, uh, as CJ pointed out in this article, uh, it was a nice subtle jab at him. You know, no way to go but up. And it's right. funny, but that's exactly what we're counting on is that yep. he isn't as bad as he was last year. But, like, what are we actually counting on for him this year? Uh, I I have literally no expectations for Michael Neuvert. I, have, like, I, 
I don't expect that he will have earned the raise that he was given for absolutely no reason. I don't expect him to start a ton of games. I expect him to be hurt a bunch. Like, I, I don't. I still don't understand why we signed that dude. Yeah, that's kind of exactly where I'm at, too. Like, I, maybe I don't... pleasantly surprise me. That'll be cool. But I'm not expecting anything more than, you know, 35 games at average. Oh, God, that's tending. really high. For I know. What, how many games? Hasn't he only 26, played? 26, it says here. Well, has He's he... averaged 26 starts. He started, like, 29 and 24, I think, something like that. Yeah, we had that, that conversation a few weeks ago. I was yeah. like, wow, he only started that few yeah. games two years ago? So yeah, that's all I thought. one-third of the hockey games. Okay. I think that's fair. I guess with Neuvert, like, as CJ said, you can't be much worse than it was last year. Can't be much worse than the worst actual goalie in hockey that plays, like, oh more God. than 15 games. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But his career save percentage is around, like, 9-10. That's probably about what I would expect from him. Yeah. You know, he's still kind of in, you know, basically in, like, his age-related prime of his career. And, yeah, I'm expecting a bounce back because I don't think he's a bad goalie. But I think anybody who's expecting him to bounce back to the goalie from two years ago no and way. the goalie who showed up in that playoff series, yeah. they're going to be very disappointed. Be disappointed. That, yeah, you will be bitterly disappointed yeah. if that's what you're that expecting. That was the aberration, he was, folks. He was really good that year, and he still played like less than 30 games. Yeah. Like, so like expecting much out of him and all – like. Brian Elliott. It's okay. You did it okay. once. Right. <laughs> Brian Elliott. Well, I for, I didn't even remember why we were calling him that. It's a stupid thing that I brought up. While Kelly, Kelly's starting it. I started while it. he okay. is okay. while Elliott is quote unquote streaky, he started a ton of games in his career. He has been a number one starter before. He's faltered and had some problems in the playoffs when put into that role, but he's done it, and it's not something Neuvert has ever done. Isn't ever I mean every goalie is streaky. We've been yes, over this. Yeah, everyone, every goalie yeah. is streaky. Mm-hmm. Some of them just have higher highs and some of them have lower lows. We've been stuck with guys that have lower lows. So if Brian Elliott is streaky, maybe we'll get some, you know, good some good not great goaltending out of Brian Elliott. Just if we get if we get the good version of Steve Mason out of Brian Elliott, it'll be a great solid Netminder. No, that would be That's, awesome. I'm, and I'll be fine with it. <laughs> it's funny to talk how we have just been spinning our wheels in this city with goaltenders for so long. Like, oh I, a person who has gone back and forth on Steve Mason, I have been both a hater. <laughs> I have been both a Steve Mason hater and a Steve Mason apologist. And I, like, I am spinning my wheels thinking, if we can get Steve Mason out of Elliot, great. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Oh we had God. a solid, reliable, <laughs> and that's pretty good goaltender, and we were like, "Ah, fuck this guy, get him out of here." But he won. He got four point one, and you know, Elliot got, there. Elliot got two point five. So hopefully, well, yeah. and half the term. So right. hopefully, it works out. And Ron Hextall made the right move here. He didn't. <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that a secret that he didn't? He he, he, he did, didn't. He didn't. He signed the wrong goaltender, and this is the whole. System is a disaster because of this. Continue. What system? She's not wrong. What? I mean, did you want to give Steve Mason starter money? I would give him the contract that he got. Yeah. I think Steph wanted the log jam to be solved with the, on the AHL side. I and did. That would have been solved had they signed Mason because then you could have potentially used Stolars or Lion as the backup. Yep. These things. Yep. That's that w- it. That's probably, I would assume, what Steph was referring to. Yeah. And then Sandstrom right. could have come over from Sweden and it would have just started the process what? of. Sandstrom come over from. Because if we Why had a legit number one goaltender, then we could have. I mean, Hextall literally said those words. It, the it reason been... that Stolars isn't coming up is because we don't have a number one goaltender. Steve Mason, Stolars. Yeah. At the NHL level. At the AHL level, 
Lion Sandstrom. Doesn't Sandstrom still have a year left he on his signed contract? A contract? He signed a contract because for one year they, were, they had no room. They for had him. no room yeah. for him. He was ready to come over. I guess, and it's, then it, they signed Neuvert and. Ron screwed this up. I don't think we know for sure that Sandstrom would have came over. He might have, but I don't think he would. He might have wanted to stay another year, or maybe the Flyers wanted to stay another year. He's never been a full-time starter. We don't know. It doesn't matter. He's the best goaltender that we have ever. Maybe. (laughs) Give me the next long quest, right, Kelly? Mm -hmm. He was like a nine oh something save percentage and played what thirty games in in the pro league, and he's what nineteen years old. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah, he was under twenty for the juniors because he played in the juniors. So I think now he's twenty. Yeah. I'm checking. I believe he's now 20, or at least he will be 20. To so he's here. playing in a league that's equivalent to the AHL and had okay numbers. Yeah. Well, you're hoping he develops. Yeah. You're hoping he develops. I'm, I'm not special. counting so on him, him to come over to this year. So you him over to the and you get him comfortable with the smaller ice? Yes. I'd rather he have a year as a full-time starter over there before he has to worry about Absolutely not. I would rather him things. here. I would rather him here. Bill, you know you're, like, arguing for the idea that signing Michael Neuvert well, as our number Michael one Well, because Michael Neuvert's his guy. He's still going to Vegas. Right? Remember, it's his, it's his guy. All right. I just don't know how you give Steve Mason a contract after all he's done is not uh, openly say, I don't like this organization. Well, he I doesn't mean, like not, it here. He's, he doesn't like it here, so he can happened. go. Win. Win a goddamn playoff series. Do, like, I love Steve Mason. He was really good sometimes here, you but he never did put, anything. You can't put you can't that on You can't talk about this player. guy like he's a winner when he's never won. You can't put that on one player. You Why can't not? do that because that's not how it works. It is a team sport. Henrik Lundqvist has no cut because he's always had a shit team in front of him. Put up numbers like Lundqvist and we'll compare you to Lundqvist. Friggin' Antti Niemi has a cut because he had a really good team in front of him. It's not, you can't hang that on the goalie. And that's what we always do in this town and that's why we can't have nice things. It's true. You can't hang it on the goalie. You can't do it. Why can't he just make saves, though? She I'm pretty sure does. he made some of those. Not from center ice, he didn't. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, one, for fuck's sake. One Lundquist also shot. did that this year. Again, Steve Mason never played in the second round. Because of the team in front of like, him. Have you looked He's at the had defense? a 10-year career. 16 teams make the playoffs every year. Bill, and Bill William. Just, 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 just stop. Like this, like, like you <laughs> he's know, never just, accomplished please. anything, and he, he wants starter so he's, money. So he's been, I should be a number one. Why don't you play like so one? He, 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 he played in two he playoff series play with the Flyers. The first playoff series, he was awesome against the Rangers. He just happened to be concussed for the first part of that don't series. Get hurt. So we. Oh, yeah. get the yeah, fuck out of here! Don't get bulldozed by someone in the final game don't, of the year. Don't get a traumatic brain injury. Yeah, yeah. Get, then don't play hockey. Isn't then, that isn't that what you tell me all the time? Well, it's just gonna happen. It's concussions happen. Brain injuries happen. Yeah, they do. They're, I'm not indulging this bullshit. Uh, other goalies no. stay healthy. I, I don't. I, no, they don't. No, <laughs> they Ma- don't. Ma- Mary got hurt twice. <laughs> Pittsburgh went through three goalies last year. And three, they went through three, they went through three goalies. Was it? It was last year. They went through three goalies. In the playoffs, in the first round, and won a cup, and still won a cup. Like it's this almost happens. Like there's more than just a goaltender that. It's amazing. To it, it's just, this is astonishing. Yeah, that all-star Pittsburgh blue line really protecting those goalies. They, I mean, they solved that problem. No, it's because they have amazing way. forwards that just yeah. outscored everyone. Yeah, and because Matt Murray's very good, but. <sighs> So be very good. As if you want to get paid like a starter, play like one. That's all I'm saying. No, there's a difference between getting paid like an elite goalie and getting paid like a starter. Mason did not get paid like an elite goalie. He got paid like a A starting goalie, which which he he is. is. And I'm not giving him four years to be mediocre. I'm done done with that. I'm done with him moving on. uh, I'm giving Elliot two years 
To be mediocre. To be mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and Michael Neuver. To be mediocre and broken. Worse than mediocre. They're, they're, they're paying both of them like backups. No. Michael Neuvert, I think, is the most expensive backup that there is, which is borderline starter. And he makes two hundred and fifty grand less than the starter? Only because we, we signed a they're starter. They're not paying they're, they're, a starter. They're, they're getting paid, like, like, both those guys are getting paid, like, tandem or high-end backups. You said four years for Mason. He only got two years. Would I have given Steve Mason a two-year deal with a $4.1 million cap? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Because not only does it fit the timeline, Mason's the better goalie. Now, I agree with you that the situation was probably untenable and that he yes. probably there was no real other option but to let him go but the answer to that is just don't let the situation get untenable don't be stupid that year and do dumb things like start Michael Neuver in the first game of the year for no reason like the problem here was that the entire goaltender situation was screwed up by the coaching staff last season. Well, it was, it was screwed up by their own play. Neuvert started the first game no, of the year no, because no, no, Mason no, no, failed no, no, in the playoffs. No, no, no. But that's stupid. Yeah, that you, is you, really You start stupid. a goalie based on what you think they're going to do in the future, not based on what they did in a three-game small sample size in the playoffs. It's not predictive of future events. But it's what they did. Like I don't. Their output you is what happens. You can't, punish, you can't just guess. You, you can't close your eyes. Steve and Mason guess. also got them to the playoffs. He yeah. did after you can't. his play in the first half. Almost kept them out. Steve you, Mason also played more games that year. He also has over the previous like three or four seasons had a better save percentage over the course of those those seasons. That's how you predict future events. You look at what happened in the past, but you don't look at just what happened in a short past. You look at what happened over time, over an extended period of time, during which Steve Mason was a measurably better goalie than Michael Neuvert, which is why starting Michael Neuvert over Steve Mason the first game of the year did nothing except needlessly piss off the guy who is probably your better goalie. Those are the dumb things you don't do if you want to keep a you know mentally fragile guy. I wouldn't even say mentally fragile. What stable. I would, what I would say is someone who maybe needs to be coddled a little bit. And you know what? It's your job as coach to know who you have to coddle and make sure you don't piss them off. I am willing to coddle a superstar. I'm not coddling a guy who's a mid tier goalie. You're not. You no. You're not. You're not willing to coddle a superstar. Oh, if we had Carey Price, I would tuck him in bed at night if he <laughs> wanted me to. Okay. That's not Mason. <laughs> okay. I, I'm talking about any position. You, no, you would not. I, I think it's the coach's responsibility. For Eric Gr- Lindros is my favorite player of all time. You're telling me I wouldn't want to coddle somebody who sat out two different seasons because he wanted to. I think regardless of... Yeah, if a guy sucks, if a guy is just straight up bad, then you cut him. But... A coach needs to know how to manage the personalities on his team, whether that's a third-line forward, a second-pair defenseman, a decent goalie. Like, the coach's job, arguably his most important job, is to make sure he's getting the most out of his players, which means you have to know the personalities of your players. You have to know what makes them tick. And in that situation, what was clearly shown by the end of the year is that they either didn't know what made Steve Mason tick or just didn't give a shit. They didn't give a shit is what I'm guessing. I think Hackstall decided that Neuvert was his, was his guy for whatever. He was, he was trying to make Neuvert his guy for yeah. I mean, just added on to the list of ridiculously bad decisions he made last season. That was just one of them, and and it it pissed Steve Mason off. And obviously, that, I'm assuming that that was probably the beginning of the end. Speaking of hilarious decisions, oh boy, the Flyers have 16 national television games. Hot this damn! Year. 
I believe it's the second most in the league, tied with Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. Because give they're me a all the Pierre Maguire. They're a small market handle. team that doesn't play in a real. The city. hell is wrong with you? I like Pierre Maguire, and Who I'll fucking argue you? with you all day. <laughs> oh my god, we go all day. I love. Listen to me now, folks. I love Pierre Maguire. He's he, amazing. He looks like How, a boiled hold on. penis. So, so there's action happening on the ice. He's not talking about it. He's talking about something that happened 20 years so ago. So let's At talk dinner. about the fact that he's used in a very poor role by what? NBC. Who and, needs and he to does a really bad job. Completely rehash their entire hockey broadcast. But that's a different conversation. He is a big hockey nerd sure. who loves the game more than probably anyone else on this earth and he's fucking excited to talk about it and I like Great. it. Great. Well, don't put him in well, on the ice. Well, that's not his fault. He shouldn't be the on ice guy. He should be in the studio, get rid of Milbury. But I'm, I'm, oh, definitely get rid of Milbury. We can all agree on that. He's... Mike I Milbury's have to look at his face all butthole. the time, though. I, mean, I don't know if I could take looking well, he's, at Pierre Maguire he's on television. fucking great on the radio. He's amazing on <laughs> the radio. And that's a really good role for <laughs> him. Having him face. as the color commentator is really bad. It's a really bad role for him. He does no, a he really bad is, job. I, and I, like. I don't want I don't want to listen to him 16 games a but season. The, uh, the that's rival, an NBC problem. The rivalry They've got night, a lot of problems. The rivalry yeah. night games for NBC got released. And there are some hilarious rivalries. Uh, starting, starting with October 4th, the vaunted St. Louis-Pittsburgh <laughs> rivalry. Ooh, that's, that's one for the ages. That's, a, well, that's that, Flyers opening night. Yes, the yeah. The storied rivalry between Braden Shen uh, and On October Crosby. 25th, <laughs> on October 25th, we have Buffalo-Columbus. I guess that's, mm, it's a divisional. The no, they're not even, they're, Columbus is in the Flyers division. It's not even a divisional rivalry. They're it's just nonsense. They're just both in the East. They wear ugly Previously jerseys. industrial cities that uh, are experiencing the a renaissance. November 15th, Rangers, Blackhawks, Original Six. We'll get Original Six All right, that, that one week. works. Uh, Tampa, Boston. All right, that's... that's because uh, they're in the same division. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> like, Washington, the... Stanley uh, Cup final that we've never had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll never have. We're finally going to get to see that one, I guess. Uh, Chicago, uh, where is it? There's Chicago a, versus everyone. Yeah, yeah. Phil, the, there's, the, a, uh, there's a Flyers Chicago somewhere. Sure there is, because no, the Flyers Chicago be. are the two teams there's that love the most. Detroit, Philly, December 20th, that 1997 no. Stanley Cup rematch where yeah. everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> Except both the teams are yeah. trash. Like, this, what it comes down to, that, and as a Flyers fan, like, whatever, it's cool, they're in a bunch of national games, fine. But, like, no one knows if the Flyers are going to be any good or not. I do, Charlie. Everybody knows Detroit's going to be horrific. They're going to yeah. be like, bad. They shouldn't be in any games, but because they happen to be a big market and because NBC can count on like a certain degree of floor, like the, the floor for the ratings is going to be high, they throw them in there. And what they don't do is they don't give exposure to Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, who they who NBC should be trying Vegas, to, play the, to play the long game for yes. to get people more excited about these kids who are going to run the league for the next 10 years. Hell Vegas, yes, they are. Vegas has more national games than the Oilers or... Or the or the Leafs. Really? Yeah, that's just yes. that's some. Doesn't Vegas only have like five national teams? It's like teams? five to three or something that's like that. That's a really dumb, short-sighted. We don't want to play Canadian teams. My baby Leafs on are television. not on yeah. national games. Especially Very and stupid. like Toronto, the Toronto Washington uh, like playoff uh, ratings. That's the word I'm looking for. Ratings. Yes. That, that series did real well. So like, oh, we'll throw Canadian games on TV. But it was only a couple. They're calling <sighs> this the most diverse national schedule they ever had. Yeah. And the article I read, I think it was on Yahoo Sports, was like, that's like calling it the most diverse Friends episode ever. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> like you're starting you're starting with a really low base. Yeah. If that's what you're talking. But like Nashville has a bunch of games that they don't uh, they wouldn't normally have, so their playoff run really helped out. There are some things that the NHL is doing better, but for God's sakes, give us McDavid and Matthews. It's like, all, that's we all, want. I want. It's all we want. Like like make them feel better. Put put McDavid on TV every time he's playing against Chicago. against one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah that but, would be fine. Like I get with Edmonton that they're you know they're not in they're not on the East Coast, so they're a little bit weird with the time difference. I get that, but like you work around it because it's Connor McDavid. The and Flyers he's going to be the superstar the of the league Coast. for the next ten years. The Flyers open up with a Wednesday night game on the West Coast against San Jose. Like, <laughs> come on. Let yeah, me- but I'll watch that one just in case. Sean, um. Sean Thornton. <laughs> Joe Thornton scores four goals. I'm sorry, that derailed. I would hope you would watch considering it's the Flyers. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Austin Matthews scored four goals in his first game as a Maple Leaf. But he didn't take his clothes off. He did either. not because he was, <laughs> he was very close child. to being a minor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, he been, the whole audience would have gotten arrested. What, what are we at here? Like I don't even hour? know. I don't know what that happened. is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. It was a lot of fun. We did we did quite a bit of yelling. We did some yelling about we did because some yelling. you had some really really bad goalie takes. I, I got Zola some... does not have the best fucking sports opinion. <laughs> not I, today. I live in I live in the real world. Thank you. Have a great week, Philadelphia. Are you ready to talk about sports? American idiot. Oh, <laughs> that's yelling. That's our that's our intro for yelling and outro for coffee yelling. all over this magazine. Yeah, why'd today? you bring that with you? Are I you like the some... only person who still like subscribes to the hockey news? I pick it up at the newsstand. Oh, do you? Every week. Okay. I like that you go to a newsstand. Well, Can you I see how how glittery the 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 jersey is? Yes. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show. It seemed smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.